0: Adam, thank you for joining me today. Uh, you're a good friend to come on. I love, we were talking, sorry, I'm an intro, but uh, obviously I wanna talk about 21, 22, what's happening, but thank you for coming to our conference. You're fantastic. And we were talking the other day, I wonder how Adam's predictions ended up at the end of this year. So I said, I don't know, let's call him. Let's find out what he's, what he's got to say. So this is great timing. Thanks for, thanks for being available.
1: That's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Teague.
0: All right, so so let's go. So what? I don't know what metrics you're checking, but you're our economist, right? You're sort of the speaking of the Hunter Conference, you're our economist, our go-to economist of what's happening. So tell me, how did we end up 21? How did we compare to all your predictions? And what's 22 going to look like?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, this is a great time to kind of look backwards at the year and you know, see you know how did things fare? How do they compare to our forecasts? It's interesting. A year ago. A year ago, I was uh, I was taking heat in certain corners for being too optimistic, um, and uh, went on record about th- things such as you know the inevitability of the recovery, and that when we've looked at past crises, we've typically been surprised on the upside, and here we are, you know, nearly at the end of 2021, and performance did indeed beat our predictions for the year um, so you know they this will go down uh, you know for anyone who's taking recording history of this that we were not optimistic enough um, that said I think we did we did get the basic narrative right um, so one of the things that, that I talked about when we were together uh, last was that uh, you know we would see a strong rebound in the leisure market in in the summer months, and that that would um, that would materialize in substantive form for a number of reasons. You know, we talked about the uh, the strength of household balance sheets on the assets side, as well as reduced liabilities. Uh, we talked about pent up demand and uh, kind of the 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 birthright of of travel and how that fits into the psyche, and then and then also the other factor that that uh, that we call have been calling out for a while is that even though we're, as a US market, forfeiting inbound travel internationally, we've also retained would-be outbound travel and converted that to domestic. All of those things made this summer a, a remarkable summer. Um, now, of course, there were haves and have-nots, have-nots across the country, but on the balance, on the balance things outperformed our forecast uh, modestly. When I look at it in terms of total trip volumes, uh, this is a forecast we just completed for the U.S. Travel Association. One year ago, we were expecting domestic trip volumes to get to um, 81% of 2019 levels. They came in at 84% of 2019 levels. So, um, so we weren't off by a lot, but uh, but it turns out we were a bit too conservative as things turned out.
0: As expected. But I love your optimism. I mean, that welcome to the hotel industry, right? I mean, everyone, myself included, but everyone in the hospitality industry, we're all optimists, I feel like. So we're, we were right there behind you, like, oh, this is going to be a lot better than everybody expects. But what other metrics are we tracking?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, certainly, you know, tracking closely what's going on in the economy right now. And, you know, there are a number of risks A number of fault lines that are worthy of keeping our eyes on. But but starting with kind of the baseline situation, I think if a year ago we would say the unemployment rate will be down to 4.2%, we would again have been labeled starry-eyed optimists. Uh, But here we are, unemployment 4.2%. We've recovered all but 3.9 million of the 22 million jobs that were lost in the spring of last year. That's a phenomenal amount of healing in the US economy in a relatively short period of time. We've experienced a classic V-shaped recovery. Um, When we look at GDP, uh, we've already surpassed pre-pandemic levels of GDP. This is nothing like the great financial crisis um, where we were looking at a protracted three, four years before we saw full healing. So even just to get the levels of economic output, um, we're looking at a year and a half, we've already crossed through that threshold of where we were pre-pandemic. So there are a number of reasons for that. Um, You know, one of them, of course, is, you know, massive amounts of fiscal stimulus uh, that's been pumped into the U.S. economy. Um, But what that's done is continued to position consumers to drive the recovery into 2022. And uh, and so when you think about, you know, the drivers of hotel demand, as well as the driver of the, the overall U.S. economy, it will be the consumer. That's where we see the greatest strength. Uh, for sure Um, it's it's why we probably make it through some of the bumps that we're hitting right now uh, without without the u.s economy stalling out Um, so so overall u.s economy in a good spot
0: we've noticed in the hotel industry right the consumer traveler is the leisure travelers who's kept the industry afloat the business traveler is still not there group is still not there although picking up steam but the consumer works for us too so let's go let's talk about risks though what are our headwinds? I think I've
1: got four of them uh, that I that I've got locked and loaded here. Uh, so the the first, of course, is the concerns about inflation, yeah. right? And uh, and Oxford's view, my parent company, is that inflation is going to be pretty sticky. Um, that is, we're talking inflation above three percent into 2022, uh, really through the first half of the year before it begins to taper down, um, and so. While that's uncomfortable and is going to require the Fed to act, it is not runaway inflation, and it's not stagflation. Stagflation would imply that the U.S. economy begins to contract in the midst of an inflationary environment. Um, There's no signals of that whatsoever. Uh, The U.S. economy is continuing to move forward. Um, The the concern about runaway inflation, we also think, is is not – one that is gonna, uh, it's not going to age well because, uh, the things that are driving inflation, we think are by nature, um, going, going to subside as we move into 2022. So that kind of moves us to our second headwind, which is supply chain issues. That's one of the things that is driving inflation costs. And, and those are, we're seeing, um, signs of that beginning to relent. And, um, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, things like microchips for cars or, you know, data on what's going on with shipping, um, all those things, showing signs of resolving as we move into 2022.
0: Yeah. Our, our containers were $5,000 and now they're $20,000. Is that going to relent?
1: Yeah. So they, I mean, shipping costs have begun to come down already. Yep. I mean, but they're up over 300%. You're right. From Asia to the US up like 350%. It's it's insane. And um, up about 250% from Europe to the East Coast. So yeah, it's obviously driving part of what's we're seeing inflation. Uh, but uh, these are things that are you know, starting to they've already leveled off and begun to come down. So I think the concern that you know that is a driver continues to push inflation forward is probably not something we're worried about once we get through the next say four to six months. The next concern, of course, would be the all the uncertainty and related to COVID nineteen. Right, we've got to mention that. Uh, that's a fair amount of uncertainty. You know, right now as you and I speak, we're we're. Uh, everyone's concerned about the, the Omicron variant, and what, will, what effect will that have as far as cases, hospitalizations, and deaths? Uh, you know, we, we stake no claim to being experts uh, as scientists. Um, but uh, one of the things that I've noted that is encouraging as a social scientist is that the relationship between what's happening in that health environment and the way people are behaving – are becoming completely untethered. Um, that is that, that people are becoming less and less concerned regardless of that external environment. And whether that's just you know, comfortability with risk that, that begins to come over time, or that is the emboldening that comes with the effectiveness of vaccines that, that you know, has become pretty clear. Um, people are, they may be concerned, but they're still traveling. And, and, and people are, by and large, I'm seeing this in the data, whether I'm looking at STR weekly data or flight data, what we're seeing in the ebbs and flows of the virus is not getting reflected in the actual travel patterns. And so my concerns in terms of our industry are are actually fairly tempered because because that relationship has become untethered. People are like, you know what, we're going to live with this risk. Uh travels too important whether it be for business or leisure um, although I think business is more reluctant still um, so, so that would be that would be my third risk Edwin my fourth would be labor force issues right? and certainly a pronounced challenge for the lodging sector um, the the job open rate in the latest data is about 10% which means for every 10 staff positions there is an open. Position. Um, so, if you have a hotel that's you know running with two hundred staff positions, that means you've got twenty openings right now.
0: Yeah, I think it's greater than that, but okay.
1: Yeah, right. It, and I think it certainly varies across the country as well. Um, but that is uh, that is a you know massive challenge. One of the things that we're seeing as a result of that is wages rise very quickly. In the hospitality industry, um, up some eleven percent just over the last year, and I don't think we're done with those increases yet as we try to continue to attract more and more, uh, you know, staff to, to fill those open positions. Yep.
0: And the question in the hotel industry is: Can we raise rates fast enough to pay for it, right? To cover all of the rising costs, labor being the main one, but insurance and property taxes. And,
1: and I think that's a really important topic. Um, you know, how does how do rates? relate to all of this. Um, and one of the things that I, I think is, you know, among the list of things that is striking over the last year is how ADR has behaved unlike it has in any other downturn, right? And and I'm pretty reluctant to say this has never happened before, but as long as SDR has been tracking this, this has never happened before, uh, which is that that rates have fully recovered Yet occupancy has not. You know, it's usually the opposite, right? It usually, it, you know, rates get cut, occupancy eventually comes back, and then ADR comes back a year, year and a half later, right? That, you know, we're all accustomed to that relationship. Well, well here we are, right? I mean, we're still at, you know, occupancy off 7 8%, relative to 2019, week after week. Rates at or above 2019 levels, week after week. And, um, and it's an interesting phenomenon. I think there are a number of reasons for that. One of them you just touched on, Teague, which is that that costs are rising. And so revenue managers are, I think, being clear-eyed about the, the need to sustain rates. Otherwise, they're going to be selling rooms and losing money. Yep. Right? So that's one of the reasons. Um, I think another reason is that um, the... The the soft, software the basic revenue management platforms are better than they were a decade ago. The last downturn,
0: we've gotten a lot more sophisticated.
1: In yeah, what we were doing,
0: and I think we've learned. Just because you lower rates, that's not going to increase travel. People aren't going to travel simply because it's cheap. They're going to travel because they need to travel, and if they need to pay it, they're going to pay it. And I think yeah. both, both of those things, along with the technologies mentioned, have allowed us to hold rate even if we're running
1: fifty percent occupancy. It's still full price. That's right, I spoke to a group of revenue managers a couple of months ago, and I kind of asked them I was like, why you tell me why rates are back and and one of the reasons they they described what you just did and um, they said we we have a better understanding of price elasticity than than we have, and I think this downturn probably put it into sharper relief than other downturns where you just realize you know like if you're in New York City and you know, a year ago, nobody's coming. Like, I could lower rates for the you know the ten percent occupancy, but I think I'd still get ten percent occupancy, right? there's sort of an intuitive situation that I think flowed through decision making uh, as well. Um, but it's been really encouraging, right, to see rates be as solid as they have been. Just off the cuff, how optimistic are yeah. you? Twenty two. 2022 builds on 2021 i think we continue to move forward the the latest forecast that tourism economics and str released for the for the us has room demand crossing into uh into the black relative to 2019 in the third quarter of 2022 and so you know that behind that is you know that that leisure you know continues to you know build slowly on last year's the recovery leisure is fully recovered in 2022 business is not um but but we do think that business travel comes back in especially in the the second quarter of 2022 that's probably where we see it strengthening um certainly you know the the delta if you look before the delta wave kind of in the summer of 2021 businesses were really gearing up to hit the road and, um, and Delta stalled that out a bit right, in, in the early fall. I think Omicron is going to stall out again. Um, but, but our expectation, as far as our baseline, what we think is most likely, is that by the second quarter, you've got businesses operating pretty much you know, at normal levels of travel. Um, when I look at group data, um, bookings for future events, it looks like we're going to be off next year in the range of 15 to 20 percent in room demand on the group side so that's going to be real slow to come back we're talking a couple years for for the group market to come back not i mean it it took a few years to come back after the great financial crisis I, i should mention so i i think we can be patient not feeling like oh no we've got some existential you know situation here for groups again um so so we'll come back but it's going to be it's going to be several years
0: you think it's the same we're having the same amount of uh, group travel same amount of meetings just fewer attendees or have we lost some mm-hmm. of the events as well
1: yeah i think next year the the story is going to be primarily about fewer attendees um it's going to be a mix it's gonna be a mix. I look at what's on the books itself, about 15% right now. They'll get more meet, there'll be more meetings that are booked. Um, but attendance, and I've been attending a lot of conferences over the last six months. And 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 I would usually ask the organizer, how's attendance relative to pre-pandemic? And I'm I'm getting pretty consistent responses that, you know, they're off 20, 25% now, right? So there's no reason to think that's gonna completely level up. In one year, I think there's upside potential as well. I should mention that I'm, um, you know, looking at uh, over over 10 in a recent survey of of, uh, of travelers saying that they are going to be working remotely for part of the year. So that's travel, right? And and it could be travel for multiple reasons. It's it's travel because I want to work somewhere nice, but then it could also then be travel because I got to get back and meet with my team for these key meetings, right? And and so there's this whole new potential market that could emerge over time, which is with with more adoption of remote learning. What does that generate? Not only in terms of leisure travel, but in terms of business travel, where previously, well, we're all in the office all the time. We don't travel to do that. But if now I'm, you know, I'm I'm stationed for part of a year in – you know southern florida but i gotta get back for meetings so i'm generating new business travel that otherwise didn't exist
0: i, I like to hear you use we all should go to southern florida um look i'm obviously a believer in travel i'm glad to hear you're a believer in travel too that people are gonna come back and get back together so i that keeps me optimistic um give me i'm curious though on your thoughts talk to me about interest rates where are they going next year
1: I think it's very likely the Fed does increase interest rates. Um, I think that they hold off for a bit though with the the amount of uncertainty regarding omicron um, uh, and, and keep in mind the Fed has at its disposal the the tool of first tapering down bond purchases right so that's going to be that's that's front and center that's going to happen you know imminently right and and so, so I think the I think the Fed wants to see how does that play out. So I think we're well into 2022 before we see the first interest rate hike. Um, so we, as Oxford, are, are probably on the on the more um, I'll say conservative side, of the, we don't we don't think the Fed is going to aggressively raise interest rates. We think it's going to be very slow. We think it's going to be the latter part of 2022. Okay, which
0: you know should help again in our industry when you're borrowing 70 percent of your uh asset value uh interest rates matter right mm-hmm. debt matters yeah. etc so i think we're all watching that fairly closely some of it we can handle i think it's built in but you know my concern is if it goes up too quickly so maybe that's 23 when they push it off too long and then 23 it skyrockets which right now that says to me that 22 will be a robust transaction year everybody trying to get ahead of that uh and maybe stealing 2023 transaction business bringing it into 22 getting it done but I, don't know, I digress. I digress. All right, give me some final thoughts on what else we should be looking for next year. Give me the key points.
1: Well, I think one of the, the key things next year is going to be, you know, the, the return of cities. You know, I mean, cities have been, you know, the, the top 25 markets, if you take Miami out yep. as an outlier, have been just incredibly hard hit, right? And they've been hard hit because they've been most exposed to business travel, to group travel, and to international travel. Right. And because travelers who are traveling for leisure have been primarily seeking outdoor experiences, a lot of the the main attractions, museums, um, shows, and the like have been closed anyway. Uh, so so that that has just put you know an unbelievable strain on these markets. I think twenty twenty two is the the year where we see you know the you know the renaissance of, of cities again.
0: So I do want to know where where are you traveling? Where is Adam Sachs traveling next year? 21, 22, Sorry.
1: 2022. Where's Adam Sachs traveling? Yeah, well, we have we have our our fam, family New York City trip already planned for for New Year's Day. So uh, so we're um, this is this is called uh, helping to fulfill your own predictions about about cities coming back. Um, but uh, but yes, yeah, so we have a, we do have a trip uh, as a family for spring break planned to Florida. We've uh, we uh we do we do a, a beach trip as a family every year. We rent a house on the eastern uh it, the eastern beaches here in Delaware as well. So um so those are those are our kind of tried and true family vacations. We'll 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 do some we'll we'll visit visit family in Texas as well. So I'm in the northeast, but my wife's family is in Texas. So we'll be there at least a couple of times and then uh and then I'm hoping to take my my son to um uh, Coach Ellie Valley for the uh, BNP Paribas Tennis uh, Tournament. I've got uh, I've got an in to uh, attend that. That
0: tennis family is that what I just heard there?
1: Yeah, well that's the
0: player in the family.
1: That was uh, it was my sport, and my youngest son is uh, he's a player.
0: Okay, all right, fantastic. How about th- sorry? Final question. Then I'm wrapping up. Although to con- conclude, you're traveling to cities and leisure. And then you'll travel the major cities for business. And I did not hear international in there anywhere. All right, final point, right. How, How's the uh, how's the Garage Band that Adam Sack started? I see the guitar in the back. Are we still are we still strumming tunes for the hotel industry?
1: We're still we're still uh, creating creating uh, hopefully enjoyable content, rewriting songs, uh, and uh, just trying to add some balance to the left right brain situation on a daily basis
0: i love it you got to send over some news some new riffs whatever whatever your new songs are we got to hear them
1: all right i'll i'll uh I'll s- i've got one on uh on the importance of meeting face to face that I'll, I'll i'll share after this
0: that's the one we want that's the one we want. all right adam you're a good man and a true friend thanks for joining me i appreciate the year and wrap up we always love hearing it uh and i'll see you in
1: march awesome looking forward to it thank you teak
0: thanks adam